You're listening to the Proteus Leader Show with Eric Anderson, where you'll get practical tools and insights for leading, managing, and staying ready for the future. Erica is the founding partner of Proteus, a firm that focuses uniquely on leader readiness. A nationally known executive coach and best-selling author, you may already know her as one of the most popular leadership bloggers on Forbes.com. Ready for something you can use today? Here's Erica. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Proteus Leader Show. My guest today is Bill Sanders. Bill is an operational strategist. He has a rare ability not only to see misalignment between strategy, process, and execution, but to work with his clients to align these essential elements, unlocking increased profitability and growth potential. Bill also writes a regular column on work culture for the Huffington Post. Welcome, Bill. I'm so happy you could be with us. Thank you, Erica. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, good. Now, you and I just met recently. You caught my attention at a conference we both attended by mentioning that you help companies operationalize their strategy. I just love that. It sounds so practical. I immediately thought it would be truly valuable for my listeners to have a better sense of how to do that. So, you want to just dive in? Absolutely. I think almost everybody's been around lots of great ideas, lots of great strategies out there. They don't fail in uh, formulation. They fail in execution most of the time. Mm. So operationalizing strategy is how do you align all of the effort inside the organization toward the implementation of that strategy? Yeah. It can take place at the individual level and their mindsets, habits, how they get things done and how they're uh, tied to the organization at the team level. Obviously, the interaction of the teams or the breaking down of silos, uh, cross-functional team development, that sort of thing, all the way to full organizational uh, structure redevelopment. So really, when you say operationalizing strategy, it sounds like you're talking about making it real, taking it from a theoretical construct, this is what we think we should do to grow our business and move forward, to how are we actually going to make this happen? Absolutely. Very practical. Okay, that's great. I can see how there's a lot that would come up if you're trying to make what could be good planning, but then make it practical and real to help your organization. So from your point of view, having done this a lot, what most often gets in the way of leaders being able to make this happen? Either obstacles within themselves individually or within their organizations? That's a great question. We've actually identified seven of those, and we're publishing a special report uh, in August. Oh, well, let me give you three. One is not recognizing and using speed as a competitive advantage. On the organizational mm-hmm. design side, building bridges and, uh, you know, they're building bridges instead of commissioning armada. I love that. And we're, we're hiring for competency instead of enthusiasm. Wow, I love all three of these. So let's just take them in order. Talk to me about speed as competitive advantage. How does that play into this? Well, <laughs> right now, when you finished your perfect three-year plan, it's already three months out of date. Mm. The convergence of all our digital technology and our digital advancement right now from, I mean, take your pick, AI, blockchain, any of the big megatrends out there, the real meta trend is that the, the transaction cost for starting and testing new business models is so low that you end up with... Mm. Ubers with a higher valuation yeah. than, than General Motors, with Airbnb yeah. that has a higher valuation. And they, Uber owns no cars. Airbnb owns no property. They have an entirely different structure. And so that insurgent mindset 
is moving very, very quickly, and the incumbent companies are, are behind if you're putting that much time and effort planning rather than building a culture that prototypes, tests, and gets much, much closer yeah. to the customer. Got it. So the obstacle is disconnecting the planning process from the need for speed and then assuming that once you're done, you're done, and then cool, you have a plan. But you're saying it's a living thing. You have to keep moving. And it's also okay. how quickly can you make decisions. Uh, Jeff Bezos in his recent or annual report uh, made the point of does this door, do you have a reverse here? This decision and go forward and it doesn't work, can we back up? Test it. Go now. If you can't back yeah. up, then it takes a little more planning, a little more risk management. What's your upside? What's your downside? If there's no downside, try it. Okay, that's great. Talk to me about bridges versus armadas. Growing companies attract more talent with more experience, and they come in, and they start putting the processes and procedures in place that they learned at other large companies. Mm -hmm. And those other large companies were built like bridges. They were built like it, we're going to start here, we're going to build it over there, and it's going to last for 50 years or 100 or whatever. Right. And that doesn't exist anymore, right? We need yeah. armadas of teams. It's good compartmentalization in a large part as well. You know, if, if one ship gets sunk, that's not the end of the company. Right. But they can maneuver quickly. They can change strategies as they need to, and they're much more adaptable and flexible in this new environment that we find ourselves in economically. Okay. So people who come from that old mindset, I love the armada metaphor, they just build this big thing, have all the ships in certain alignment, move them from point A to point B in a group, and you're saying that's just not how it works anymore. You've got to give the individual ships, the individual teams, the individual people that are directly impacting, touching your customers or clients every day, the ability to help those people solve their problems with your products and services. I'm going to come back to that in a minute because I want to find out for all three of these things, how do you help leaders do this? So tell me about the third one. I can take an enthusiastic person that is interested in the business and interested in learning and teach them almost anything. Yeah. Right. But I can't teach enthusiasm. We have a 70% yeah. disengagement in our American workforce right now. 70% of people when surveyed say that they are disengaged at work, are actively sabotaging even. There's like about 7 or 8% that said they're, they're actually not doing their jobs deliberately. How do, how do you solve for that? Well, right now, uh, not everybody can solve for this, but you only hire the ones that are really interested, committed, uh, that meet and fit within the culture and the criteria and the values of your company and what you're trying to achieve that actually have some commitment and passion around it. I really like what you just said because you're not saying to hire people who of their nature are just enthusiastic. You're saying hire people who are really lined up with what you want to do personally, for whom your mission, what you're doing, and how you're approaching things is meaningful. And they therefore will be enthusiastic about it rather than try to enforce that. Exactly. And so, yeah, I'm not using enthusiasm in the rah-rah, jump up and down definition yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. of the word. I'm, I'm somebody that's engaged in yeah. trying to help solve the problem that you are trying to help solve as an organization because they bring their best to the game every day. That's great. I love these three, and I'd love to hear the other four. I want listeners to be able to get this white paper when it comes out in August. 
Okay, so given these three obstacles, what are some practical takeaways and key skills or habits that leaders can develop to overcome these obstacles? Okay, so I would say one of the key habits or a mindset that leaders need at any level in the organization is to get very, very clear and distinguish between objectives and goals. They're not the same. You get what you measure, right? Right. If you measure people on sales output or uh, performance improvement, or any of those type things, you end up getting that commitment to achieving goals. That's what gives you a Wells Fargo. That's what gives you a Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. That's what gives you a culture of Uber, right, where we can't fire that person because they're producing too much. They're doing massive damage to the culture inside the organization, mm. right, to the health of the organization going down. But the, you know, we're still meeting our goals. So we can't get rid of it. And I see it over and over and over where you've got a bad actor in play and somebody will not fire them, right, until something absolutely illegal has been done. Right. So it sounds like in your mind, goals are just really tangible results. And objectives are more, what does success look like? What will this look like if it's successful? Very well put. Okay, that's great. I think that's right, because people do get hung up on like, well, this is our EBITDA, and everybody hates it, and nobody thinks this is success, but we got to do it. <laughs> and I'm not knocking goals. Goals are very valuable. They're valuable for, for, for focus. They're valuable for activity, but they cannot be the only thing we measure. Yeah, and yeah. You have, again, that mindset of distinguishing between the two so that you know that, okay, yeah, we missed the goal. Why did we miss it? Do we understand why we missed it? We yeah. learn. Right, and are we in better position to move forward or not? Yeah, that's good. The way you're defining the objectives really three-dimensionalizes the effort. In the practical sense, this also goes back to, um, I'd say, two big things for individuals here. One is personally, mm-hmm. where you work, what you're doing, what you're accomplishing. How's that move? Not your career. How's it moving your life forward? Yeah. Right. The, what's the bigger picture? Is it causing too much stress, too much pressure at home? What, what are those things that you need to be doing to take care of yourself first from exercise and eating right and all the other stuff that we all know and most of us don't do a very good job of, you know, <laughs> keeping up with? And how do you start building in the tools that help you stay in touch with that? And so that mm. goes all the way back in the organization is being very clear on what the objectives are in the organization so that you start building in the tools and the mindsets and the cultures. Recently did a organizational development piece of work for an agency. And they had been a media agency for a long time. They hadn't lost any clients, but the revenue was starting to go down. And they called mm. us in to help find out why. Like, canary in the coal mine here, this is starting to change. What's up? We identified a couple of things. One is a lot of, a lot of media money is moving to prog- programmatic now, of course. But the second mm-hmm. thing was a lot of people, a lot of these clients that they had were shifting to project work. And they'd done a little bit of project work on the side, but they'd never really had a, wasn't a big part of their business. And all of a sudden they found they were hitting 45% project work and they had no tools for it. Oh, wow. We had to hire project managers and hire, put in new departments and build new processes and procedures around the whole thing. And the mindset change that it takes for an entire organization to move that direction is very mm. different. I could, have, I could have taken any one of those individual people and dropped them into another agency that was built around a project management mindset that only did projects, and they mm-hmm. would have been up to speed and changed their thinking in a month. But it takes longer 
when you don't have as many examples or you don't have the structure and the institutional attitudes. And then having to shift the whole organizational mindset to line up with the new. Man, clearly we could keep talking forever and ever, but I always promise my listeners that I'll keep this short. Thank you so much, Bill. This is so helpful and really practical. And listeners, if you're interested in finding out more about how to build and implement clear vision and strategy from the Proteus point of view, you're welcome to go to ProteusLeader.com slash topics slash being dash strategic. And Bill has offered that when his white paper comes out about the obstacles to operationalizing strategy, if you email Proteus at RoeblingStrauss.com, and I'll put that email in the newsletter, he will send you that white paper. Thank you so much, Bill. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Erica. I look forward to the next time we get a chance to see each other. Thanks for listening. And until next time, here's to creating the life you truly want. We hope you're feeling better equipped to create the career, the business, and the life you want. For more insights and tools for leadership and management, join us at ProteusLeader.com. Have an excellent day. And thanks for listening.